Michael Yormark, thank you so much for welcoming us to this uh, beautiful uh, Rock Nation International uh, office of yours. It's absolutely brilliant. And we'll get into your personal career. We'll get through to kind of the brilliant work you're doing with Rock Nation very shortly. But I know a lot of people would be very intrigued with your working day because I don't actually know how you fit so much into the short period of time. So just give us a little bit of a snapshot of your, of your working day, when it starts and kind of how you plan it. So um, I start my day very early. Uh, health and wellness and fitness is a big part of my life. So I'm typically up at 4 a.m. Uh, in the gym at 4.30. I typically work out for about 90 minutes. Uh, I shower and I like to be in the office, physically in the office, uh, no later than 6.35 or 6.40 every day. Um, and that's been my habit since day one. Um, you know, that first workout, you know, is, is the most important meeting of the day for me. And it's the one meeting you never cancel. There are meetings during the day that unfortunately have to be pushed back or canceled based on schedule conflicts or other meetings running over. But that first meeting has to get your mind and body right. Uh, and that's why, you know, I, I dedicate myself to making sure that I get up early, get that in. And then when I arrive at the office, I'm ready to go. Yeah. No, absolutely. It definitely gets you prepared for that kind of mindset. And let's just kind of go back and kind of revisit your journey a little bit. So give us a little bit of an idea of kind of yourself growing up and kind of a little bit of your journey to, uh, through to, to Rock Nation. Sure. I'll go back very, very quickly to when I was 12 or 13 years old, because um, many people know I have a twin brother, an identical twin brother who's had a very, very similar career path. And uh, growing up in, in Marstown, New Jersey, we often would talk about what did we want to do with our life, even at that early age of 12 or 13. And we both said, listen, we'd love to be in sports somehow. And so that's where my passion and, and that's where my focus uh, really started at a very young age. Uh, fortunately for me, after I did my education with the graduate school, I was able to come out of graduate school and get right into the business. And I worked for a couple of different sports companies uh, in New York City before I moved to South Florida to get, in, to get in on the team side of the business. And at that time, you know, I had the opportunity to work for the holding company uh, of the Florida Marlins Baseball Club, the Miami Dolphins Football Club, and the Florida Panthers uh, Hockey Club, which was an extraordinary uh, experience. I spent about 20 to 25 years uh, working on the team side uh, of the business. I went from South Florida to Columbus, Ohio. I started the NHL expansion team. I went back to Tampa Bay and worked for the Tampa Bay Lightning and then ultimately returned to South Florida to be the CEO uh, of the Florida Panthers. After the journey that I had professionally on the team side of the business, I then decided to cross over and join Rock Nation almost 10 years ago. And it was a big shift for me, a uh, big shift for me, not only from a job perspective, but I ended up commuting between South Florida and New York City where the Rock Nation headquarters uh, are located. And so for the better part of the last 10 years, uh, I've been working with Rock Nation both out of their headquarters and now over the last three and a half going on four years uh, here in Europe. It's been an extraordinary journey. Being able to work on the team side of the business, then being able to work very, very closely with you know, some of the biggest names in entertainment and sport ha has truly been a blessing. And um, who knows where this takes me, uh, but for the moment, it's, it's just been amazing. 
Yeah, no, that's a great summary. And I want to just kind of backtrack a little bit and kind of, you mentioned Brett, who, um, you know, people may not know, but he runs the Big 12 Conference, um, which is a very, very big deal in the States. It doesn't quite have the same reach over here, but it's massive in the States. And, you know, obviously yourself, you're both in the sporting realm. What was it about sports that truly drew it to you? Was it a passion for sports or was it more the mentality that went into it? Because clearly with your kind of starting of the day, you're an incredibly driven person. So what was it that, that really drew you to sports in the first place? You know, my, my brother and I grew up in a single parent family and, and we found sport to be our outlet. And, and we always loved sport. Uh, basketball was our passion, you know, growing up in America. And so, you know, we're, we're very passionate people. And, and I think at a very young age, we knew that ultimately, when you think about your career, you don't want just a job. You want to be, you want to be, put yourself in a position where you love what you do. You have a passion for what you do. You get excited to get up in the morning to do what you do. As I reflect on my career, there's probably never been a day that I've gotten up in the morning and I said, wow, I'm not excited to attack the day today because I generally love what I do. I couldn't even imagine doing anything else outside of sports and entertainment. And so I think that's really been the secret sauce for me. It's, it's the passion. And the fact that, you know, even at this point in my career, I'm as excited to get up in the morning to do my job as I was early in my career when I was in my 20s. And so hopefully it continues, but uh, every day is an exciting day for me. That's the dream for most people, isn't it? To really, really love their job. And, you know, again, let's let's go back to those uh, Florida Panther days, because, again, for people who may not know ice hockey necessarily, but effectively you're a winter sport in Florida where you know, winter's not really a thing in general. And, you know, you did such a great job with them. And, you know, from doing the research, that's kind of where the, the relationship with Jay-Z and, and Rock Nation kind of started. So how did you find that kind of, um, that experience of growing a, a sport that may not be as popular in a certain region, especially when you've got, like you mentioned, NFL teams, you've got very, very good uh, NBA teams there too. How did you find kind of breaking out and really making it uh, a bigger deal in that area? I think for me, it, w- it was a great challenge, right? To your point, a non-traditional market for, for ice hockey. There's still not a lot of sheets of ice uh, in, in South Florida. But we were also a challenger brand. When you think about you know South Florida, you think about big time college athletics, University of Miami. You think about the Miami Heat, who just went to the NBA Finals. They've had tremendous success you know over the last couple of decades. You think about the Miami Dolphins, the oldest team in the state of Florida, with an incredible tradition. Florida truly is a football community. It's a football state. And then you got the Florida Marlins, you know, uh, a team that's won a World Series, a team that's had you know success you know since its inception. So for the Florida Panthers, a very non-traditional sport, a challenger brand when you talk about sports and entertainment in South, South Florida. And so for me, it was a big challenge. You know, how do I help the brand become relevant, right? How do we break through? Um, how do we attract new fans, people that had never thought about hockey before the Florida Panthers entered the market in Miami in the mid-90s? And so um, it, it, was, it was terrific, uh, absolutely terrific. But... The secret sauce for that experience for me was turning the Florida Panthers or positioning the Florida Panthers as entertainment, not sport. We were very fortunate to be to to be um, in a building in a, in a in an arena that was also very popular for concerts and shows. And so I looked at the Florida Panthers as content. I looked at them as entertainment, 
combined with some of the biggest artists and events that would come through our building. And that's, as you mentioned, where I met Rock Nation and its leadership. So I took a non-traditional sports team and I built an entirely different narrative around the club. It had never really been done before. And so I sold sport as entertainment. And by selling it as entertainment, we were successful. We won. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, like, let's just stick on that particular period of time because, you know, there may be people watching this who are executives and business leaders themselves looking to make the change. And here you are, like you said, two decades in an organization. Next thing, you're almost going over to the other side, if you will. Instead of being the organization, you're going to be the representative. And that's quite a big career move. What actually made you go, this is the best, and then just go hell for leather towards what you, what you wanted? I think having been with the Florida Panthers for over a decade and, and really having been through every experience that you could imagine, it was just time for a new chapter for me. Uh, it was time for me to, you know, to, to enter a space that perhaps I wasn't as familiar with, that would recharge the battery, that would inspire and motivate me, but also challenge me to be better. And, and, and Rock Nation provided that opportunity. Now, there were still some similarities because even if you go back to the Florida Panthers or any team that I worked for, it boils down to building a brand and building a narrative and building a story and, and then consistently telling that story. It's no different when you're working with an artist or an athlete, right? Because many of the athletes and artists that we have are significant brands. So there were similarities. Yes, there were differences as well, but it was just time for me to have another challenge. And I wanted to push myself to be uncomfortable because I became very comfortable with the Florida Panthers. Literally, I could work, wake up in the morning, drive to the office with my eyes closed, get there safely. And then the playbook every day really never changed at the Florida Panthers. And it, be, it, it became very um, repetitive. I wanted something that was fresh. I wanted something that was new. I wanted something that was different. I also wanted to work in an environment where every day was different. On the agency side, because you're working with so many different assets, so many different clients, every day is different. There may be a common thread throughout the week or the month or the year, but every day is truly different. You don't always find that on the team side of the business. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to kind of come on to Rock Nation Sports International now. And I mean, some of the, the, the athletes on your roster is absolutely incredible. You know, we were kind of chatting about it a little bit, like, you know, Ellis Genge, obviously. Um, you've got Mario Toji, Adi Saver, um, Sia Khaleesi. You've got these incredible, incredible leaders um, and leaders of their teams and real representative and kind of purpose-led uh, people. Um, which is obviously something that's big in business. What, what, what kind of draws you to an athlete? Is there any kind of X factor that you just go, that's the guy, that's, what I, that's who I want to represent? It's a great question. We, we want to associate with, with great people, first and foremost, um, athletes that are truly the best at what they do, but also want to inspire and motivate people. When you, when you think about all the names that you just mentioned, these are all individuals that want to inspire and motivate, they want to tell their story, and they want to impact lives. And in some cases, they even want to in, it, it create hope for, for those that are coming behind them. In the case of Asiya Khaleesi, you think about a nation, right? You think about South Africa. You think about how he won the World Cup in 2019 and how inspiring and motivational that was and how he created hope for a nation. So those are the types of individuals that, that we're attracted to and that I think are attracted to us. 
I would also use the word disruptive because we as a brand, as a global brand, as a company are, are disruptive. And I say that in a very positive way. We're not about the status quo. You know, we want to push boundaries. And, and so the athletes that we have both on the rugby side and the football side are, are very similar, right? They're, they're, you know, in many cases, global brands. They want to break boundaries. They want to do things differently. They don't want necessarily to follow the status quo. And they want to inspire, motivate, change lives and create hope. And at the end of the day, if you're able to accomplish that, then you're building a legacy. And so one of the things we talk to our athletes all the time about is, you know, what, what, what do you want people to be thinking about? Or how do you want people to talk about you when your career is over? And what are the opportunities you want to create for yourself when your career is over? And so those are the types of athletes that, that you know, we try to recruit. And those are the type of athletes that want to be part of our family. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, full disclosure, I grew up in Southern Africa. So obviously representing people like Sia Khaleesi and Temba Bavuma and Lungyangiri, it's absolutely incredible for me. And sticking along that kind of disruptor um, way of thinking, I mean, South Africa, as far as a market or Southern Africa, was largely untapped. You know, you guys are getting into um, representing both men and women as far as kind of that part of the world goes. And that's very disruptive because, frankly, no one had done it in a significant way, certainly to the level that you guys are. What was it about that kind of opportunity that you were like, this is, this is where we need to push um, and kind of put you over the edge of doing that? It was really a passion play, you know, to be honest with you. I had, you know, I had been thinking about South Africa for quite some time. And, you know, it, it really started, I think, back in 2018 when Jay and, and Beyonce performed at Global Citizens in Johannesburg. And, you know, Jay came back and was so enamored, you know, by what he saw. And internally at Rock Nation, we started talking about, is there an opportunity for us to do business in South Africa? And we started to, to go down to South Africa and look at different opportunities, but we had to find the right entry point. And it wasn't until 2019 at the World Cup, um, right here, when I, when I moved to London, I think it was October, November of 2019, where I was watching the World Cup finals with one of our owners and co-founders of Rock Nation. And we saw Sia Khaleesi. We saw Sia Khaleesi lift the Web LS Trophy. We heard this, in, this incredible speech, this very passionate speech about his journey and the journey of this country and the impact that that victory in Japan would have on a nation. And I remember so vividly looking at my owner saying, that's the kind of guy that we need to have at Rock Nation. And we need to help him tell his story, not only in South Africa, but around the world, because we can inspire and motivate, we can change lives and create hope. And so that's where it had started. And, and I remember my first trip to South Africa, you know, to, to see Sia and Rachel Khaleesi. And from that moment, they taught me a lot about what was going on in South Africa, especially within the world of sport and how things needed to change. And I realized that there was not an agency like us. We were the first really international and global agency to go into South Africa and say, you know what? We've identified an opportunity here. Started with SIA and then it started to expand with other athletes and consulting partners. And now we're starting to you know, build a nice little business uh, in that part of the world. And it's inspired all of us. You know, as a minority-owned company, you know, you think about working in the motherland and you, and you think about the history in South Africa. 
And to be able to help, you know, athletes of color, whether men and women, all athletes, give them a voice, give them a platform, allow them to tell their stories and allow them to inspire people. Gosh, what more could you ask for? Yeah, no, absolutely. And kind of keeping on your own kind of leadership, um, you know, you've already mentioned you're an incredibly passionate and driven person, but when you're working with someone like Sia, and I would highly recommend anyone watching this to get his book, Rise, which is absolutely brilliant. His documentary's out too. But when you read his story and you kind of meet the man and you see the work he's doing, is there a part of you that goes, it's that little bit extra at 6.30 in the morning when you're coming into the office that you just go, this is, I'm doing the right thing. This is what it's all about. No, no question. I mean, he's one of the most inspiring individuals I've ever met in my life. Um, he, he's become my true brother. I mean, we have a very, very close relationship. And every day he surprises me. Um, even the way he's attacked, you know, his current injury uh, in order to be ready for the World Cup in, in, in Paris in September. Um, the dedication, the commitment, the understanding that so many people are hoping that he's there. He's the captain, you know, of, of their national team. I mean, you know, Sia Khaleesi is everything in South Africa. To see him putting himself through what he's going through to get ready is inspiring for me. And so when I wake up and I'm like, you know, do I, should I really go to the gym today? Should I sleep an extra hour and a half? I quickly get out of bed and say, you know what, Sia Khaleesi is doing this. Why can't I do it? Right? Um, and, and a lot of our athletes inspire me that way. Um, as much as I try to live a lifestyle that inspires them, they also inspire me and they push me uh, and they drive me to be the best I possibly can be. I'm dealing with every day, our company is dealing with very special people, very unique people, very gifted people. And so it's important you know, that, that we in many respects represent what they represent. I can't sit down with a Sia Khaleesi as a leader or any of the athletes or clients we work with and tell them what they should be doing better if I'm not doing it. If I'm not living the same lifestyle based around commitment and passion and sacrifice, how can I ask them to do the same? And so that's one of the reasons why I get up at four o'clock in the morning. That's one of the reasons I do train every day so that I can sit at the table with any client, give them my opinion, feel comfortable giving them my opinion as a leader, as a mentor, as an advisor, because I'm living the same life. Does that make sense? No, 100%, yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, on the flip side of that, yes, you've got these athletes who are high performers and yourself, you're very much a high performer. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that we talk to that actually get quite frustrated with the staff around them because they don't have that same drive, that same will that they have. Um, and, you know, that's something that is quite well documented. There's a lot of people who have to just like take a step back and be like, actually, <laughs> I'm a little bit too high performing for my team. Like, is that something that you've kind of found by putting staff around you sure. as far as Rock Nation goes? Listen, I think we all have that frustration at times. You know, we want everyone around us to be like us, but that's not reality. Yeah. You know, you know, you want to have different types of people in every company. You want diversity. And, and so, you know, just because somebody perhaps is a little quieter, or doesn't have as much passion, outward passion, doesn't mean that they're not as committed the same way. And I had to learn that throughout my career because early in my career as a leader, I wanted people to be like me. I said, you know what, if I'm going to lead by example, I want people to follow me the way I lead. But that's not reality. So... Um, yes, we all get frustrated, but we can't show that frustration. 
Um, we have to try to pull the best attributes out of every employee we possibly can. It's like a team. You're gonna have star players on a team, they're gonna have role players. Those role players may not have the same skill set or the same DNA as the star players, but they're very important for the overall success of the team. We talk about team first here a lot at Rock Nation. Everybody's different. Everybody brings a different skill set. There are some stars within Rock Nation, and I'm talking about employees. And then there are some great, great, outstanding role players. And those role players are as important as the stars because they play an important role as it relates to the overall success of the company. So while it is frustrating at times as a leader that everyone may not be on the same page all the time, we have to accept that because that's not reality. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm going to switch gears completely here. And, you know, Rock Nation is an international company. Um, and, you know, partnerships has driven a lot of the growth of the company. And, you know, if I think about the uh, deal with the NFL um, to produce the halftime shows, just being an example, um, but also a lot of the partnerships that you've done with like the United Rugby Championship here in the UK, I'm interested from like a business perspective, do you think British businesses are missing a trick as far as really tapping into strategic partnerships? Or do you think we're, we're, we're getting there or we're, we're on a par in the States? What, what, what do you think? I think when it comes to sports and entertainment, you know, there's room for growth here. You know, everyone talks about how, you know, America's got great examples, shining examples. You've got the NBA, the NFL, you've got great leagues. I would argue that the NBA is probably the best league in the world today. And not because it's the most popular, not because it generates the most revenue, but its structure and its partnership between the league, its owners, and its players are second to none. I also think the NBA gets it as it relates to how they look at themselves. They don't look at themselves just as a sports league. They truly believe that they're live entertainment, right? It's all about the entertainment. And I think that's the key to growth in sport here in the UK and around Europe. It's not just about football. It can't be just about rugby. It can't be just about cricket. How do we take those sports and really create a strong entertainment value proposition? So if I'm not a diehard cricket fan or a diehard football fan or a diehard rugby fan, I can still go to an event and have an incredible experience because it was fun. It was exciting. It was inspiring. It was motivational. So that's the biggest difference that I see now. The second difference is that player empowerment is far greater in America than it is here. Athletes in America, for the most part, are treated like partners in the business. And here in Europe, they're treated more like employees. And I think in order to maximize growth in every which way, players need to have a seat at the table. They need to be part of the decision-making process. They need to be looking eye to eye with the owners, with the key stakeholders, and they need to be heard because they have so many great suggestions. Whether you're a rugby player or a cricketer or a football player, they're in the game every day. They're living this every day. And so you want them, your biggest asset, to be involved in decision-making to make things better as you move forward. And so that's the second piece that I think needs to be addressed. But I do think the progress is being made. The first sign of progress is when people identify the fact that change needs to take place in order for growth. And based on the people that I talk to every day, whether it's in cricket, whether it's in rugby, whether it's in football, 
they recognize that they need growth and that things do need to change and they need to contemporize the way they do business. And as long as they're thinking that way, ultimately change will take place. Just, it just kind of struck me while you were talking there about kind of the personal branding side of things. And, you know, there's, there's a very, very famous or uh, infamous saying, um, specifically stateside, which is shut up and dribble, um, which, you know, in an increasingly polarized world that we're living in, that was something that was brought up because of uh, Black Lives Matter and Colin Kaepernick taking a knee, for example, like, you know, things like that. We're also seeing it on the business side where a lot of people are too scared to kind of put their head above the parapet and kind of go against things or they don't want to be called out for anything. Um, but, you know, I'm just thinking about the racist abuse that some of your clients have received and you guys have come out fully in support of that. Um, I'm just thinking from a kind of um, uh, using your voice uh, in the sporting world, how important is it to you as an organization to use that voice and, and kind of shout about it as much as possible, especially when there is areas like European football, where there is still a lot of racism around. I think it's critically important. You know, part of our role as an agency has to be to defend our players and, and to try to make sport even better for them. When we come out aggressively, whether it's in Italy or whether it's in Spain, when we see racism, it's not just for those specific players that, you know, have, have, have faced that hatred. But when we take an aggressive position in a vocal position is for every athlete. And so, you know, we wanna help change the game. We, we wanna help change it for the better. Um, and it's our responsibility to use our voice and to use our platform, just like it is a player, to come out and say something about something that may not be right. Um, to put a full page ad in an Italian newspaper or a Spanish newspaper and say, you know what, enough is enough. Like, what are we thinking about? To sit down with teams and stakeholders and say, hey, there has to be change. There has to be a zero tolerance, right? These are very, very important things. And we're doing it not just for the moment. We're doing it to make sure that the next generation of fans that come through don't continue some of the bad habits that we've seen around the world, right? When racism happens in Italy or in Spain and kids are watching this, they automatically believe that it's acceptable. It's acceptable behavior when it's not. Right? And so those are the people that we want to influence. Hard to change what mom and dad think. Hard to change what an adult thinks who has been raised in that type of environment. But if we can change and break the cycle so that the next generation of fans coming through think differently, embrace all types of players, and understand the true meaning behind equality, equity, inclusion, diversity, then you know something? We've made an impact. Yeah, no, 100%. That's so, so well said. And honestly, we could talk to you for hours, but I know you're very tight on time. It's now time for a very special segment. We've teamed up with the Jill Dando News Center to bring you the good news postcard. Michael, today your question comes from Hayden, age 11. My name is Hayden from Castlebatch Primary School Academy, Jill Dando News Center. If you had any three wishes, what would they be and why? Well, first of all, Hayden, thank you for your great question. Three wishes um, and why. Um, so I guess my first wish, um, first and foremost, would be that um, every one of our clients, everybody that we do business with, I always wish them good health and happiness and success. Because part of what we do as a company 
is, is we try to help everyone that we work with achieve their goals and objectives. So that's my first wish. Um, secondly, I, I would wish that the world continues to evolve um, as, as a great place to live, right? Um, I've come over to the UK three and a half years ago. Uh, we talked briefly during my interview about racism, about discrimination. Uh, I would hope that one day, one day, all of that would be abolished. That when we go from country to country, that no matter who you are, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter what religious background you come from, that you're, you feel welcomed and you feel comfortable. And um, you walk into every country around the world with a smile uh, on your face. Thirdly, uh, and this is uh, a self-serving wish, um, I'm a big basketball fan. And I grew up a big basketball fan. And as I think forward uh, into the NBA season for next year, I'm wishing and I'm hoping, right, that the Phoenix Suns win the NBA title in, th in 2023 and 24. That is my third wish. We can only hope, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, final question for you. We are a business leader. So what to you makes a great business leader? To me, it starts with leading by example, right? Um, I've worked for a lot of leaders in, in my career, I've worked for a lot of different companies. And as I reflect on you know, the leaders that I had the opportunity to work for, those that I admired the most are individuals that led by example. Um, leaders that were doers, not talkers. Um, leaders that took accountability. Um, leaders that had an open door policy. Um, leaders that also didn't expect everyone to be like themselves. Those are the, some of the most important qualities for me. But I go back to the first thing that I mentioned, that is really being a leader by example, showing the way, helping people become great at what they do and setting a great example for them. That ultimately creates a winning culture for any organization. And as I talk about leadership and I talk to staff members, I think one of the most frustrating things for staff members and it was for me as I was climbing through the ranks, is seeing a leader not leading by example, seeing a leader that wasn't engaged with the staff, seeing a leader that wasn't pulling people along, seeing a leader that didn't inspire and motivate the staff. I send out a good morning message to every staff member every day. And I use that as the first opportunity to inspire. I want every single staff member, when they get up in the morning, to see my message first. And I want them to read the message, be inspired, be motivated, and I want them to want to achieve greatness every day. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much, Michael. And thank you for your time. Do you have any kind of final words for our audience or where can uh, people follow, <laughs> follow Rock Nation online? Um, well, you can follow me. I'm on Instagram, I'm on social media. You can follow Rock Nation Sports International as well on IG. Um, a lot of what I post on social media, I, I try to make motivational and inspirational, but also I, I want to I, I salute you know, the clients that we work with uh, each and every day and help tell their stories through my channels. It's not about me. It's not about Rock Nation. It's always about our clients and the people that we serve. <music>